0: Stories that Jesus told, and so this morning we are at week five, and this is a parable of the rich fool um, and so it is the man God called a fool. This is the only time a direct reference is made to a man being a fool by God in scriptures or by Jesus, if you want to put it that way in scriptures, the only time and it was it it it, it is a story. That he told having been asked a question. So we don't know if it's an actual story. But what we know is that many of the parables were actual events that happened. But we can't say if this is an actual story. But what we know is that the man was called a fool. It's found in Luke chapter 12. From verse 13 to 13. 24, right? We're going to read from verse 13 to 20 and then at the end we're going to read from verse uh, 20, well, no, we're going to read to verse 21 and then at the end we're going to read from 22 to 24. So find Luke chapter 12, verse 13, we're going to pray. We're going to read and hear what the Lord has to say to us. Having uh, spoken last week about stewardship, we're going to speak a little bit more about it this week to get a more fulsome understanding as to the next dimension, the next level of it. All right, Luke chapter 12, as usual, we ask you to stand for the reading of God's holy word. We honor his word by standing when we read it in the church Right, Not because it is something religious to do, but because we, we honor his word. Um, this is the undiluted truth of God. It says what it means, and it means what it says. So with your Bibles lifted, just declare with me that this is God's word, not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Let me read for you verse 12. It says. uh, Verse 12. Yeah. yeah, Verse 13. Sorry. Then someone called from the crowd. Teacher. Please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. All right. If you're taking notes. Right. You want to underline um, our father's estate, right? Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own, right? Life is not measured by how much. You own. Then he told them a story. So Jesus gave an answer. Not a direct answer to the question. But an answer that directed him to further go and teach something. It says a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself. What should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, My friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word of truth. Thine word is truth. If we continue in your word, indeed we are your disciples. And we will know the truth. And the truth will set us free. Heavenly Father, set hearts ready to receive from you this morning remove every barrier. open every ear gate not to hear Pastor Omar but to hear the spirit of the Lord and as we open our ears to hear may we be ready to do that which you commanded us to Let your spirit occupy this space in such a way that there will be no distraction or disruptions. We thank you and bless you in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. Now coming off last week we said stewardship is based on the realization that everything we have belongs to God. We said that last week. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. Stewardship thus becomes using the resources then that God has given us in our lives to accomplish his purposes. So first you have to realize that everything we have belongs to God and we have a responsibility to use the resources that God has given us to accomplish God's purpose. So the purpose of what God has given you is to use it to fulfill His purpose. Amen. So we want. If that is the case, then when we look at the scripture, we need to ask ourselves: Is this evident in the scripture that the persons, the, the, the characters in the scripture, see and believe that everything belongs to God? And they are ready to use it to do what God wants them to do with it for his purpose. My answer to that is no. There is an ownership issue in the scripture. And there is an understanding of stewardship issue in the story that Jesus told. So, the, the man in today's parable, which is the man who came, um, and, uh, well, the man who was pronounced a fool, not the man who asked the question, you can understand that here it is that Jesus is preaching a sermon, because that was happening, if you, you check the background, Jesus is preaching a sermon, he gets to the part where he's speaking about salvation. Can you imagine? And somebody in the crowd says, Jesus! Yo, yo, one, one, the bossy, I call time, but you right, you know. Make a decision between me and my brother about this father's estate of mine. In the middle of a sermon. Can you imagine? People are about to get saved. And this man interrupts the conversation to ask about something material. See where his priority lies. So Jesus shares this story and a man is pronounced a fool. In the, in the Greek it is Afron, Aphron, A-P-H-R-O-N. Right? The remarkable thing is that that This person that God calls a fool, we would very often call a successful person. When you read the story, the picture of this man in the story is what we call success. He had a good piece of land, producing good crops. He had set it up according to him, where for many years he would have stuff and he could sit down, relax, and enjoy retirement. That sounds like somebody who has a well planned out, worked out life and is doing well. And we would see that and call it success. What we call success, God calls foolish or a fool. Can you imagine? So what would make God see somebody who we define as being successful, foolish? So let me ask you, are you successful? Like, like, all of us would want to say that, you know. That, like, like, don't let because pastor ask, you know. Are you there in church, you know. If they were not ask, are you, are you successful? I would, of course. And here's what would say, well, um, I have my kids and they have completed university. You know I mean? You know, I have my house and stuff. And I'm able to take care of my family. I am successful. Uh, most of us would, 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 would give that as being successful, I mean, some people say, well, I'm married. I'm, I'm happily married. Once upon a time, I met up on a wife. <laughs> right? But a fool, in biblical language, was not a description of mental ability, but of spiritual discernment. So in scripture, a person is not defined as a fool because of their mental ability, but because of the lacking of spiritual discernment. So who is a fool? A fool is a person who doesn't understand spiritual things. A fool is a person who doesn't apply spiritual truths, principles, and promises to their lives. So a person who does that, Who apply spiritual truth and principles and promises to their life. Though they may not have what we call mental ability. In God's eyes they are called successful. So our definition of success should be spiritual discernment. The application of it and the knowledge of it. How am I operating in the spirit and not how I am operating materially? let so me ask you again, are you successful? Because your success is not defined by your material gains, but your, your, your spiritual uh, 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 um, growth. Like the scripture says, your rich relationship with God. You're more successful from a spiritual standpoint, based on the level of your relationship with God than it is about material stuff. That's the whole point of this parable. Amen? We're going somewhere. So the question I'd like for us to consider today is why did the Lord consider this man a fool? Or perhaps even more sobering is, am I a fool in God's eyes? So Jesus is in the middle of a sermon when he's suddenly interrupted by a man who is dissatisfied with, over what he considers to be an unfair division of his father's estate between himself and his brother, so Jesus Christ could not keep everyone's attention, preaching, and the man focused on estate. Right? So he says, "Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me." So if you understand the culture, this one would be the younger brother. Right? Because according to the Jewish law, his older brother would have been the executor of the estate. Right, that is how it is. You know, the firstborn becomes the executor of the estate. So you understand by this that this brother is the younger brother and would have received. So the older brother would have received the largest portion of the inheritance, and usually he would have tried to maintain the estate intact because it goes to the firstborn. That's so he kept it in the family by giving it to the firstborn. So this man really didn't ask Jesus for a decision and what would be a division of the estate. He just demanded, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus did not answer as he expected him to. So Jesus says, man who may be a judge or an arbitrator over you and when he said you, it is used in the plural sense. He's speaking to both of them. Meaning, who am I to judge over you and your brother? So Jesus refuses to be sidetracked from his mission of seeking and saving the lost. Because that's what Jesus was there. So I don't have time to judge with that. that is, in the context of this sermon, salvation is more important than that piece of land. You, you, you cannot see, you may talk about people go heaven and you ask about care. Our house. So, so instead Jesus does not make a legal judgment. Because he's asking Jesus, Jesus to make a legal judgment. But Jesus makes a moral judgment. Jesus knew that this family feud over inheritance was only a symptom of a greater problem. Now you are ready already. So tell me what was the problem? Ah oh, you are reading your Bible. Exactly. The issue was bigger. The symptom of the question was the root greed. Because all he asked is share of the inheritance between me and my brother and Jesus start talk, talk about greed. So obviously Jesus knew that the question was coming from a heart that was occupied by no asking about are you greedy? No, let him answer you, you know. Ask him, how are you greedy? Be- because when people say greedy in Jamaica, you know, one thing we think about, you know, food. Because Jamaica act like the only thing that people can be greedy for is food. I tell people, any man want two women, Greedy. I- I'm telling you, one is enough. I don't want to get in any problem. My wife just returned. So I leave it right there. All right. In fact, the U in verse 14 is a plural indicating that both brothers had a greed problem. So Jesus said, who made me judge of both of you? Which is indicating that not just the younger brother, but the older brother had a greed issue. And as long as both brothers are suffering from greed, no settlement would be satisfactory. In other words, Nothing that you get in life will be okay. You will never be satisfied until you fix the issue of greed on the inside. You see, they they wanted Jesus to fix something externally. Jesus said there is something internally that needs to be fixed. Because if you are not greedy, you will be satisfied. Your dissatisfaction with what you are getting is because you are greedy. Do you you know you have many dissatisfied Christians? They are dissatisfied with their husbands. Greedy. Dissatisfied with their wives. Greedy. This is dissatisfied with their jobs because they want what more? Greedy. Dissatisfied with their houses. You know why? Because they want something bigger. They want addition. Greedy. Dissatisfied. People dissatisfied with their position in church. You know why? Want a bigger one. You know why? Greedy. Listen, there are people who pray to get a job so you. they pray for you to get fired so they can't get your job. You know what that's called? Greedy. So while you're praying for God to keep you some people are praying for you to get fired. So until you can fix what is on the inside don't make any sense to make any settlement on the outside because nothing is going to be enough if you have greed issues. So Jesus tells him that the most important thing is not for him to solve this inheritance problem, but that his heart needs to be changed. But if we are honest, how often have we gone to God asking him to change our situation, rather than asking him to change our hearts? The man had an issue that he wanted God to resolve, but leave his heart alone. I've been there, right? You want God to fix certain things externally, but just leave your heart where it's at. If God fix your heart, then the external things will work themselves out. Do you know that a lot of things you want to fix externally don't need to change? It's our hearts need to change. Because today, what is a curse to you, if your heart is changed, tomorrow it will be a blessing to you. I've seen it already. That people are married and their hearts are so wrong in their marriage. Their spouse was alright, you know. But because their hearts were so wrong, they couldn't see how right their spouses were. When their hearts were changed, they had the best marriage. But most people want their spouse to change and leave their heart alone. I I don't like when they're silent, you know. So perhaps our prayers should be God, here is my problem. Please change my heart. Then in verse 15, Jesus uses the occasional teaching moment and says, So the man asks the question, Jesus says, Take heed, beware of covetousness. Come on, tell the neighbor, beware of greed. Then it says, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. You are not what you own. What you own don't define you. I am who I am because of whose I am. I belong to the Lord and that determines my worth and my value. It is not determined by what I own. It says, the Consist in the abundance of of things we possess, but we live in a world where that is what is pushed like the more you have is the more you are. And we measure successful people. Many of us wish nobody wants to be a pastor, nobody look and say, Oh my god, look at that man of God! I'd like to be that. Everybody wants to be Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos, and, and all of those. Oh my God, if I were like Bill Gates, nobody want to be like Omar Gates. Because you don't, you don't look like it. You, and for you to be it, you got to got money. Nobody looks in the church and see a woman of God and say, man, I want I want to be a, a woman of God. You know what they do? They look at the wealthy women in the world and say, oh my God. Mm-hmm. They look at Hollywood. And they see people pretending to have money. Using money that is not real. Right? And they say, that's what I want. But we when he says take kid and beware, he literally saying, Be on guard against all kinds of greed. So there are many different greed is not just something that is limited to food. So the area of danger for this man was greed or it was covetousness. Pleonexia is the is the the the, the, the Greek word for it P L E O N E X I A. That, that's a Greek word. And it means, and I want you to remember this meaning. To lust to have more than one fear share. So, greed is not getting the thing. It's desiring to get more than what you already have. Because you don't think what you have is sufficient. You remember last week we said God will only give you what he knows you can manage. So if you want more than what you have right now, that you, you, meaning you want above your managerial ability or your stewardship ability. Make, make sense, right? Remember last week we said it, right? God will only give you according to what your ability is. That's what the, the scripture says. According to your ability. So if, God, if you believe that God is blessing you, And you want more than what you have right now. It means that you are desiring something above your ability. Which means you are operating in greed. It's grasping for more and never being satisfied. Or to put it in another way, covetousness is wanting more of what you already have enough of. So let me put, we agree this, very simple. How many of you have a lot of clothes? You would say you have a lot of clothes. Good amount of clothes. Alright, nobody put it up to your hand. Alright. How many of you know people who have too much clothes? Yeah man, all of you know somebody who have too much clothes, but but you have, you have the right amount, right? All right. All right let, me, let, me, let me ask you a trick question. Um, this is a trick question. How many of you have clothes that a long time you know wear? Oh, okay. So that means you don't need it. If you're not wearing it, come on, tell the neighbor. If you're not wearing it, you don't need it. So, so here's the thing. But do you know the person who has clothes not wearing? They are, they are desiring more clothes? You, you know, they, they still desire to have more clothes? Remember, they have clothes already... That They're not wearing, meaning they have more than enough. But do you know, they still want more. If you're beside your wife, I would suggest that you keep quiet <laughs> to, get, to, get, to, get, to get yourself in problems, right? But, but, but that's a form of greed that we ignore. But in the principle of greed, it says if you have enough. And you want more, you're greedy. Do you know that most of you can pay your rent, send your kids to school, you pay your bills, but you want more money? How how many of you love money? Come on, let me just see. How many, how many persons here love money? You have to be honest. I'm telling you in church. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, that, that, so Let me help you because uh, the truth is, greed is a sin that is not dealt with because we are conditioned to think according to the world standards. Because there was a time when you were getting less. And when you got more, what you did, you changed your way of living. So if you went back to your original way of living, you'd have more money. But you try to match your living with your money. And then want more money. Which is called greed. So when your money increases, keep your standard the same. And use your increased money to create additional wealth. But what we do is that we move our standard of living to match our standard of income. And then we say we have leveled off so we need more money. No. It's called greed. (laughs) Alright? Let's come down. So Proverbs speaks about it in Proverbs 21 verse 6. They are always greedy for more. While the godly love to give. In other words, the opposite of being greedy is always finding ways to give. So the person who gives clothes always get clothes. If you will not get clothes, give away the heap where you have, where you are now, where. You ever hear people say, Oh my God! I oh, love it, you know. I me, don't see around three years though, me wear it, but I love it so bad. me, me, just, me just attach to it. I can't give it away. And they don't wear it. See in the closet and then it get stained up and they throw it away. The greedy Bible says this. Always greedy for more. Why do God a love to give? Listen to this one. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10. Remember somebody lift the hand and say, love money? It's a problem. Come on, all of you lift the hand it's a problem. Alright, because we're not supposed to love money. The Bible tells you that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is a tool to be used, not to be loved. Listen, I don't love hammer. I use it. <laughs> listen, listen. I don't love I don't love my shit. I use it. Money is like hammer. You use it when you need to. But you're not in love. I don't get up every day and say, Boy, we want hammer body you no know, man. We can't get the next hammer, man. Boy, it's a hammer you're no not good. More. No, no, no. I don't get up every day. Desiring a hammer. In the same way, you should not get up every day desiring money. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, money is not evil. It's a good tool in the right hand of the right person. But it is dangerous in the wrong hand. Ecclesiastes said this way, those who will never have enough. Hey, look in your Bible. It's right there, right? Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Yeah, put it, put this up for me. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. New living translation. I want you to see that it's in your Bible so you can write it down. Those who love money will never have enough. Full stop. Who want enough money? If you want enough money, the way to get it is not to fall in love with it. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. But is is that not exactly what we think? Do do you know the prime motivation behind every casino and gambling places is greed. All their advertising feeds. And further magnifies greed. Because gambling is based on this old age hope of getting something for nothing. So Jesus now addresses the subject of greed by admonition. He says, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. But greed tries to convince us of just the opposite. That life does consist in what we own. So how we, how we estimate people. We look at the car that they drive. The house that they live. The kind of jobs. How they dress. And stuff. There was a time, you know, that, 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 that even our culture, you had certain careers. Like, if, if, if when you go to school, maybe some of you grew up in this. You, you had to be lawyer, doctor, teacher, nurse. Or police. Anything else, you worthless. worthless. No, no, there there's the a time back in the days that if you're not doing any of those things, then, then you know, you know, you know uh, until people start opening them shop. And then the people that were teachers and doctors, you understand me, boy, they, they never they have a lot. They, they were highly esteemed and the man running local corner shop turned it into a big business. I tell people this, listen, that if education could get people wealth, my little son, Would be a billionaire right now. Man, they bright like a bulb. Brighter than me. These kids have so many. Listen, you know, I never. Listen, I had to learn about solar energy in high school, you know. And kinetic energy and all of them things, then. They money, and know. Listen, they money has to be a solar thing every day. You you use the solar panel when you grow up. The only solar we saw was the sun. The kids now, by just living, They learn by the things of life what we have to study in books. Right? So we must be careful that we are not estimating people's life based on what they own or don't own. So beginning in verse 16, Jesus gives five reasons that shows us how foolish this man and his ways of thinking was and we must be very careful so let's go through these five things that is 25 minutes on the clock so i'm going to take five minutes for the five things Five, five, 25 let's go all right first we are fools when we do not give god the credit for the things he has done and you need, to, you need to get your Bibles for this because are, everything is in Scripture. We are fools when we don't give God credit for the things He has done. Now you may be asking me, Pastor, but where in this is God supposed to get credit? In verse 16, He says, He spoke a parable saying to them, The ground of a certain man yielded plentifully. Right here. It was the ground that yielded plentifully. So the, the, this parable is addressed to the multitude. For it says that Jesus spoke this parable to them. So Jesus, though he was asked the question by a young man, he's speaking to all the people there. It is important to note that this parable does not condemn this man for being rich. And to his credit, it would appear that this man had come by his words honestly. So Jesus said... Jesus did not say a certain man worked very hard and accumulated a great fortune. Listen how he starts it. He did not say this man worked hard. He said, he said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. You have to let it sink in to get it. It was the ground who produced it. The plenty he had, had little to do with his work and more to do with God causing the ground to be fruitful. We must remember that it is God who gives us the power to get wealth. It's not hard work. It's God's grace. And so when we begin to sing that it is our own we need to remember that we get this because God gave us the promotion God gave us the job God opened the door God gave us the strength to do it he said the ground yes the man worked and he may have worked very hard but apart from the blessing of God he would have encountered drought and blight and he would have had no harvest at all in other words no matter what hard work he did, if God had sent a drought, then he would not have plenty. So the fact that he had plenty means that the hand of God was in it and God needed to have been credited for what he had experienced. Many of us are fools because when we see things in our lives, we say, look what I've done. We can step off in a retirement now because we work hard for this. Not Remembering that God must be credited. As the farmer looked at his amazing harvest, he did not see the hand of God. All he saw was only his effort. I like how Warren Worsby put it. He says it this way. The material blessings of life are either a mirror in which we see ourselves or a window through which we see God. When you see, when you have your material stuff, is it a mirror or a window? See, some of us, when we look, we see ourselves. And we feel big. Look what I've done. (laughs) Man, are some good kids? Yeah, 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 yeah. Build a big house. So, buy two car, a day. Ha, ha, ha or do we say God I thank you you look through and you see the hand of God Lord I thank you for where you have brought me it is you who give me strength from day to day you should have been fired but you kept the job you should listen you never even qualify for the job but you get hired the people who were before you had better resumes and experience than you and God opened the door for you and you got through promotion did not come from the left or from the right promotion came from the Lord listen the increase that came, came. Listen, some of us don't deserve no bonus, you know. So when time Christmas comes, and you get some bonus, listen boy, nobody say, the boy should have given me some more money, because, because, because. I cut the because. I'm going to tell you why. But we're going to get to that. Because I don't want to miss this thing. Because listen, all this time I'm reading these parables, I'm not seeing these truths until like, like a year ago when I started preparing, that this man was taking all the credit for the ground yielding crop and not giving glory to God for what God had done. But don't we do the same thing today? How do we look at the blessing in in life that we have received? Do we think of God? Are we humbled that God has chosen us to receive such blessing? Do we say thank God, thank you Lord for choosing me to be a conduit of your blessings. We are fools when we do not. Give God the credit for the things He has done. We are fools when we make plans but leave God out. Uh, some of us we do that you know God bless us. God give me a job, no man. And when God give you the job, every plan where you have you exclude God out of it. God give me a promotion. God do this. Verse 17 and 18. I want you to, listen, you have to, for this series, that's why we don't put the, the notes. Because we, we, we could have done notes and done the PowerPoint. But really what we want you to do is to look at your Bible and highlight and write the things. Listen to this. Verse 17 and 18. Probably the, the crux of the matter until we get to the end. It start out, starts out by this. Who caused him to get what he got? God causes the, the ground to yield the crops. Right? God. Amen? But you're not answering. So many of you come over here, right? Who calls him God, right? Amen. Alright. So, so here's how he starts, verse 17. I don't know if you see it in the Bible. And he thought within who, he, who? So now that he get the stuff, he lack off God. And in the by himself. No plans for God, in you know this. All of a sudden, God blesses you, and you're going to make decision. And there is no sin. He didn't talk to God. He thought within himself. I want you to look at the eyes and the my's and the me's in this. It says, what shall I do? Since I have no room to store my crops. All of a sudden, everything. He moves from being a steward to an owner. He goes on and says, so he said, I will do this. No consultation with the owner. He says, I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. That sounds like greed to me. You get the blessing and forget the blesser. The steward now becomes the owner. Now, if you were in charge, would you give him more? With this attitude. Because remember now, he's also banking that How things started is how they are going to finish. So at the beginning of his blessing, this is his attitude. But based on the beginning of his blessing, he makes a pronunciation about years to come. You see the danger? So he has dismissed the owner, but he has made plans about the rest of his life from the person who provided. Now if the owner is listening, what do you think the owner should do? Not the man in life, man. <laughs> oh we go, we don't we don't get to that part. We don't get to that part yet. So there was nothing wrong with his desire to build more barns. It was wise and it was prudent. The problem lays in the fact that there is no thought of sharing. In in the original Greek the the, 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 the personal pronoun my occurs four times right and I occurs eight times. So that's 12 in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 40, 45 words. In 45 words, I and my are used 12 times in the original Greek. And in the English we see I 5 times and my 4 times. But originally it is 12 times. So in 45 words, 12 times, he says I and my. He says my crops, my barns, my goods. What he did is what many of us are guilty of. We confuse ownership and stewardship. He forgot that he was not the owner, but only the possessor and the, and the steward. Come on, just put it on your chest and say, I am not the owner. I am just a steward. All that belonged, all that he had belonged to God. And so, it is with us. It is not ours to own. It is ours and loan. Come on, just look at anyone and say, you see that that life of yours? It's unloan.'" And one day, the owner is coming back for it. Alright, so here it is, that the owner of the body, the person, gives the person things. The person dismisses the owner, the owner who owns the things, and owns the person. That's what this man does in this story, right? So what's the first thing then? So, we are fools when we make plans and leave God out. And third, we are fools when we live only for the moment. This man was living for the moment. Because here it is that something happened and all of a sudden, big elaborate plans. You know, like I get a big money. And you start saying, yeah, well, we get this now and we can. And all of a sudden, you outlay a whole heap of things. Watch out! He says. Verse 19. And I will say to my soul soul you have many goods laid up for many years take your ease eat drink and be merry if you understand the crop you understand that crop can spoil things can come storm and hurricane can come things can get burned down so in all of this he's just thinking let even have enough now I'll be alright forever he's short sighted right This man thought that when he put his plan into being that he would have it made for years to come. But all of this is based on the fact that this man expected to control the fate of future crops. Somehow he thought that because it started out good, it will always be this way and nothing is going to change. No hardship is going to come. No drought is going to come. Everything is going to be okay. He thought he could control the future. He envisioned the future as continually expanding under his control. But nothing could be further from the truth. I I, I want to know this because James speaks to such an attitude in James chapter 4. From verse 13 to 16. When James says this. Come now. You who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. Spend a year there. Buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Tomorrow. Come on, tell anybody about it. You don't know what going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> then he says, "For so what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears to a little time and then it vanishes away. Verse 15. Instead you ought to say, When God bless you, when you wake up in the morning, when things are going good, if the Lord wills, we shall live And do this or that. There is no guarantee. So when you're planning, don't leave God out of it. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Listen, and don't get me wrong, the Bible is not telling us not to to look to the future with great expectation. However, as we make our plans, whether in business, in relationship, or in personal lives, We are to do so from the perspective that ultimately God is in charge. That is why there is a word that we tell people. They call it inner vows. Never say, I will never. Right? Never say, who? I'll never talk to our next man. I'll never talk to our next woman. Who me? All them the people, I'll never talk to them again. Because you don't control that. God does. In other words, we need to plan with humility. Knowing that God is in control. I wonder what this says about our concept of retirement. And I'm not against retirement. I'd like to be able to retire one day. But perhaps God would have us to look at retirement differently. Perhaps to see it as a time when we have more free income and greater time on our hand than ever before to do some things for the kingdom of God. Maybe, maybe when I decide to stop work in the secular world it's not to retire but to start work in the kingdom. So it's not really retirement. It's a transfer. We are fools when we live only for the moment. Fourth, we are fools when we store treasures in the wrong place. But God said to him, in verse 20, Fool, this night, your soul will be required of you. Then I love this part. Then, then who will those things be which you have provided? So when you're dead, who? I will get all of them things here. Your barn. And all your crops. Have you thought about that? According to scripture. A fool is a man who leaves God out of any consideration. That's a fool. Psalm 14.1 says. The fool has said in his heart. There is no God. Do you know you don't have to vocalize it? You just need to act. Like there is no God in your plans and you are a fool. So let me ask you again, are you a fool? I ask your neighbor, are you a fool? Now ask him, ask him, ask him, are you a fool? The man is a fool because not because he verbalized his thought, but because he had lived his life as if God did not exist. And that's how many people are living. They are living like you know, God don't exist. They're doing what they want to do. He's a fool in that he did not recognize that his material blessing came from God. Nor did he recognise any obligation to God in the use of his possession. You see, fools leave God out of their lives. To be a fool is to have missed the point of life. Jesus says, this very night your soul will be demanded of you. In the Greek, the word uh, required or demanded, uh, it comes from apiteo, apiteo. It means, it's, it's, it's what I call a commercial term, meaning to demand back or to require back. Conveying the idea of life is a loan that must be repaid to God upon demand. So he goes on in the second part of verse 20 to say, Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Who is going to get all of the things where you work so hard? all the pay increase where you are for, all the hustle and the bustle, you lose weight, you're stressed out, you get disrespected, all of those things. You buy a house, you build, you buy a car, you build four coop, you buy white chicken, you leave them, you buy feeding, you buy goat, you buy all of those things. When you're gone, you don't know when that is. Who are they going to get to? All of those fancy dress that you put for special occasion. Tonight your life will be demanded of you. Who are going to wear them? People are going to throw them away. Do you realize that the same money that you are fighting to get, people are going to use it to bury you. So, so Solomon, the great philosopher, calls him the preacher says it very well in ecclesiastes 2 and i want you to see this in your bible as well uh, a christian ecclesiastes 2 21 to 23 and you can write this in the reference uh in the margin of your bible right in this luke chapter 12 he says for though i do my work with wisdom so people supposed to work he says he works with wisdom knowledge and skill you know like solomon solomon to work hard you know yeah man yeah man he works smart and he used knowledge and skill. Pe- people always ask, like, like me, me, me don't stress myself about work. I find the easiest way to do things. And people think like, oh, come on. Like, like, yep, yep, yep. like my wife wants to build a kennel for the dog. That's very simple. Mix some mortar, drop it on the ground, get four pieces of stick, put a cover on it, and box it up. It's done. It's done in a house. It's a dog. Why, why do I need to get somebody to come and saw a board and cut and neat up and get it to a shape up and paint it and, and stuff? Hello? It's a dog. Huh? I, I like people who don't even go to bar- barber. Cut your hair. D- this thing mean you have your edges, uh, like Like, listen. You can't pay nobody if you do it. Go out there with your machete and just anyhow it look, it look. It's bush. No, 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 no. Here's why. I want, I want you to understand. I want you to understand. Because many of you, your relationship is being destroyed because of these things. Listen, listen. Your health is being affected because you're working so hard and things that are of no value in the end. I'm telling you. I make life easy. My wife came yesterday. I use disposable plates. No, she can't go back to regular plate. <laughs> but when I'm in charge, I don't need to wash plates. If I need to, I will. But if they are disposable plates, they eat, they fuck use the same way. They fold, move in the plate the same way in it. And I'm in my house. I'm not going to a restaurant. I don't have guests over. It's simple. Amen. Solomon says, for there is a man who, he said, then he goes on and says, for though I work with wisdom, knowledge, he says this, I must leave everything I gain. Come on, say people say, you must leave it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, Carl? <laughs> you must leave it. See is it, is it the money not the bank? I need, somebody, I need somebody to hear this because you stretch yourself out of work. You must leave the money. Ain't going with you. Hey, 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 hey! You see the horse? You must leave it. You understand me? So so when I go home, I'm going to tell my sons to remind me. I'm telling them, say so remind me every day that I must leave it. I need to be reminded of that every day. That I don't focus my attention and seeking, for, seeking the things of the world but I seek first the kingdom of God because that's where I'm going w- watch it, I'm going to get to that because uh, oh geez, two minutes I can't believe it alright, it says I must leave everything I gain to people who haven't worked to earn it in other words you see, all of your work right now I feel leaving with somebody who don't have to work uh-huh. hey that's good <laughs> your daughter's all this must be laughing right now I said, go and work daddy go and work Go and work. Buy. Listen, buy buy the car. (laughs) My wonder. Buy the house. My wonder. You must remind yourself that I can't afford myself to work myself to death. Listen, I've never heard of a man who killed work. But what I've heard, I'm telling you. He said, This is not. Cannot rest. It is all utterly meaningless. So just 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 don't don't kill yourself. Take it easy. Don't make the boss stress you leave the job. Because you're gonna leave the money where you get from the job, anyways. I'm telling you. You're gonna leave the money. You you're gonna leave the stuff. Don't lose your sanity for something that you're going to leave. Don't let life steal your peace of mind and your relationship with God over things that have no value except for our time here on earth. But greed says, continue to go. Go, go, go. Be a go-getter. But the Bible tells us to be God-seekers. The world tells us to be go-getters. Mean go-get the material thing. Since you cannot take it with you, there's no need to wear ourselves out accumulating it. No, I'm not telling you not to work. I'm not telling you not to. You, you, you need to work and you need to take care of your family. But listen, don't do it at the expense of your health. Don't do it at the expense of your marriage and your family and your relationship with God. Everything you have will one day be left behind. And if you don't leave it behind, I can promise you this, you will be left behind. So either you're gonna leave it behind or you will be left behind with it. It is yours now to use it or to abuse it. So I'm I'm very I'm very straight. Listen, you don't you don't need to be like me. So my wife came yesterday and she brought something for me to sleep in. You know what I did? I slept in it. Because I always tell them, if I go to the store and I buy anything, I only buy it because I'm going to wear it. One thing I can tell you: when I leave this earth, nobody getting anything new. <laughs> because if I don't need it, I'm not getting it. And when I get it, I'm going to use it right away. Because I only buy because I need, I, don't have, I don't have the money to buy things to wait on. So, anything, even if you have a tag in the air, we wear it already. And you don't have to be like me. But, but that, that, that's just me. Use our abuse, but one day it will be taken from you. And you'll stand before God and give an account of how you use it. Jim Elliott, a missionary who was killed by the Auka Indians to whom he went. Um, to minister, stated it well, he says, when he said this, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We are fools when we store up treasures in heaven. In, in the wrong places, sorry. And fifth, we are fools when we find, we we, we find ourselves in conflict with God's plans for our lives. Verse 21 it's, it's so important. He says, He who lays up treasure for himself, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Riches have one major weakness, and here's the weakness they have no purchasing power after we die. The rich towards God are those who use what God has given them for others, and there are numerous examples in scripture. People such as the centurion who built a synagogue for the people to worship in Luke 7. And the home of Mary, Martha and Lazarus where Jesus often found rest in Luke 10. They were rich toward God. The way we become rich toward God is to invest in his church and in the lives of his people. But don't misunderstand me. It is not that the church needs your resources in order to survive. But generosity will add riches to your life. That you would otherwise miss. I love the other part of the scripture that I want to read for you. Verse 22, and we're going to close. So Jesus spoke to, remember, a man asked a question. Jesus segue into a teaching on greed because that was a core issue. The man got an inheritance. If he's getting an inheritance, who did it originally belong to? His father, right? So, so, so he, if he's, going to, he's telling a story about inheritance. The inheritance would have belonged to his father. So, the sons are going to divide the inheritance. Jesus begins the story with a man whose crop yielded yielded great crop because of the ground. Meaning, it was God who caused that. So, how both stories are one question and the story started are similar. It all begins with God important. He goes on and he talks about money and possession. He says this. Then turning to his disciples. So Jesus talked to the multitude. Then he turned to the disciples and he says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. He wasn't talking to the multitude again. He pulled the disciples and said, let me talk to you. You see, all that you just hear me say, Starting from what that youth come ask me. You see, why may I tell you? Not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food. And your body more than clothing. He says, look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds can all your worries add a single moment to your life and if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that what's the use of worrying over bigger things look at the lilies and how they grow they don't work or make their clothing yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are in other words God takes care of all of these things and if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little feed? And don't be concerned about what to eat and drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need. Jesus had to take the disciples aside. And say let me talk to you. I feel like the disciples were at that place. To, that, to them. They were going to measure their life. By the material things. Listen. I am not what I own. Who I am is determined by who owns me. And I belong to the Lord. That's where I find my value. And if I get nothing more. I am satisfied. In who I am in Christ and that is the greatest thing is it okay to have a car? yes but I don't need a car to make me something, is it okay to have a house? yes, but I don't need a house to make me something or someone, I am who I am because of my relationship with the Lord, listen, my desire is to be rich in my relationship with God even at the expense of having many material things what I don't want to be is to be rich in all the material things and poor in my relationship with the Lord. So I want you to bow your heads with me as we close this morning. Just bow your heads. And I don't know where you're at. Maybe um, you know, greed is one of those things that most of us, we don't believe that we have a greed issue. But truthfully, we're not satisfied with what we have. We want more. But we don't call it greed. We call it, I want to be Successful. And I want us to admit that you know, there is some greed and so we are not satisfied. And only the Lord can satisfy. So one of the first things we have to do is to admit and you know, just ask the Lord, say God forgive me for any time or for the times that I've acted in greed. Wanted more than I can manage and can handle. I'll just ask him, Say, so Lord, remove every trace of greed in me. Just ask him that. Just say, so Lord, I choose to give you credit for everything you have done in my life. The job, the education, the strength to work, the finances, the stuff, all the glory belongs to you. I give you the credit, Lord. Just say, so Lord, I commit to having you make the plans and I will follow. For I don't want to risk leaving you out when I make plans. So, Lord, give me the plans and I will follow. Come on, just Lord, I won't live for the moment. For I know your plans are not to harm me, but to give me hope and a good future. So Lord, I choose to store my treasure in heaven. For where my treasures are, there my heart will also be. I choose to seek you first and your kingdom. you Lord. Come on just say Lord now you can cause me to be blessed with plenty. For my heart is in the right place. Come on just keep your heads bowed let me just speak to you. Listen there are some of you here that for so long God has desired to increase you. But if you close your fist then God can fill your hand. you have to open your hand and release some stuff for God to release some stuff in your hand. And a way of killing greed is by looking for opportunities to be a blessing to people. So just pray right now and say, God, as you, you're about to flood me with your blessings, show me those who I can bless. Because I want to be a blessing. Today, this week, and every day of my life. So, so as you pray that you begin to believe, you begin to believe because God is going to flood you with his blessings. And as He does that, then you're going to be, just be a blessing to people all around. Come on to say, it's not mine, it's all yours. I'm just a steward of all your blessings. The final thing I want to leave with you church, is that the greatest reward you will ever have, is when you are rich in your relationship with God if we pursued God the way we pursue the material things miracle signs and wonders would happen in the church if we dedicate the kind of time to pursuing God in the way we pursued jobs and cars and houses oh where would we be So my prayer in the name of Jesus is that the most passionate pursuit in our lives will be deeper intimacy with God that will hunger and thirst after his righteousness and be filled Lord we thank you and we bless you and we honor you and we give you glory in Jesus strong and mighty name Amen Amen, hallelujah. Come on, just stand to your feet with me and just give the Lord a big hand clap and thank him for blessing you. Uh, I mean, of all the persons on the earth, God has chosen you to be a steward of his manifold blessing. Come on, just wave your hand and say, thank you, Jesus, for choosing me to be a steward for your blessings. Thank you, Jesus, for using me as a conduit your blessings on the earth. Hallelujah. Come on, shout hallelujah. Come on, give him a big hand clap. Listen, God bless you. We look forward to seeing you Tuesday night, 6:30, at prayer meeting. Come out and pray with us in Jesus' name as the worship team takes you out.